You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show or on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I'm joined by my friend, longtime friend, Jim Harmer. Jim, welcome back to the show. Hey, it feels like I'm coming home. Uh, just right before we recorded this, I just happened to be on Facebook, and Facebook showed me a message from exactly six years ago today when we were trying to get the logo right for the Photo Taco podcast. So really cool. Yeah, that was that was good memories. That was those good times. It's hard to believe it's been six years <laughs> since that happened. Yeah, crazy. That is crazy. Uh, yeah, good good show. If, if, this is master photography. But if anyone wants to go check out Photo Taco, I, I talk about it regularly here on the show, and I have a, some good stuff going on over there too. All right, let's get into the topic this week. And I had to bring Jim on because I knew I <laughs> I was in over my head on this topic, um, mostly because I'm not. I'm not, I'm a hobbyist. I've been a hobbyist. I don't have plans to change that. And so as I approach things, I approach things from a hobbyist perspective. I'm not trying to make a full-time income from my photography. And so um so while I've done some work in this area, I haven't spent it's not my focus. It's not my emphasis. I just have fun with it is, is the whole big thing. And I make a little bit of money, just enough to like, you know, cover new gear and stuff like that. So, so it, it's, it, it's something my wife and I do together. We have a lot of fun with it, but we have lots of listeners who were saying, I have built a website and I can't like no traffic. I'm not, nobody sees it. Nobody goes to it. It feels like it's like an entirely waste of money because nothing is happening from my website. Nobody contacts me through the website and uh, what do I need to do to make it so that this investment I've made in having a website and all the advice that they've heard from various sources about like you've got to have a web presence for to, to be a successful photographer, they just don't know where to go. So I knew I had to bring in Jim. So Jim, you are you're an, an expert in this area, right? Why don't you tell them, give everyone, we're going to talk a little bit more about it at the very end of the show, but give everyone kind of a, a really elevator pitch about what it is you bring to this discussion. Well, I am not an expert in hardly anything in this life, but if I were an expert in anything, it'd probably be in driving traffic to websites. So um, I started um, you know, more than a decade ago teaching a little local photography class, and then I started uh, a blog called Improve Photography, and tens, then hundreds, then thousands, then millions of people started coming to the website, and I turned that into my primary business for a lot of years, and that's where... Uh, we uh, met and we started podcasting together right. with all the rest of the gang, such great people. It's so fun working with you guys. And uh, so I did that for a lot of years. And then I started making other blogs on campers and pocket knives and boats <laughs> and whatever my other interests were. I, I have hobby problems where I just get into <laughs> a lot of different hobbies. And so I'd start blogs about all of them. Um, and I figured out how to drive traffic to them through search engine optimization and then how to make money with them. And so over the last 10 years, I've driven well over 100 million page views uh, lifetime to my sites. And that can be a 
really, really neat business to be able to do. So I know we're talking about, you know, individual photographers and their photography websites. And so we're going to tailor advice to that to make sure it's relevant to everybody. But I do also want to spend a little bit of time talking throughout our discussion about how you could look at your photography a little bit more broadly than just trying to get, you know, senior portraits and stuff like that. I think there's some cool opportunities to take your photography business to the internet in general. Right. So I want to talk about that as well. Yeah, maybe to expand it beyond just your local area. And and like the competition level there is insane for a lot of of photographers just struggling to drum up business because there's like so many photographers around them. But let's, let's save that for just a second. Let's start with... The question that I saw, so I, I put out on our Facebook group, I put out there that, uh, what do you want to know? Besides the obvious question of like, what service? I don't want to get into that. I want to avoid that as much as possible. because there's, there's lots of options. We'll talk about that in just a second too. But the question I saw a lot was, should I even have a website? Like, is that relevant today in 2021 to have a, a website? You have social media services that everybody's so involved with, like every single day they're on their social media accounts. And isn't that maybe the more relevant platform in 2021? Instagram in particular is built around photos. So as a photographer, why not just have my presence be on Instagram and have that be the way that I, I market to the, for my services? I absolutely think photographers need a website like so much. Look, it's not that you can't just have an Instagram and be successful. Of course you can, and that can work just great. But that's just one channel. There are so many other ways. What I really like about a website is, so let's say I have a win on Instagram, right? Yep. I take a wedding photo, it's tagged just right, and yes, I'm way, I'm ranking like number three for Boise, Idaho wedding photography. Sweet. And the phone rings that week. That photo's gone in just a couple weeks. I, I mean, the rankings change constantly. It's not new when it's shared. Gone, right? You got it. You're, it's like you're on a treadmill. You're posting, 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 and your work just disappears, and you're never really <laughs> running forward. And then suddenly, they make a change to it, and suddenly, you aren't ranking so much, and the phone stops ringing, right? Right. The cool thing about SEO is when I rank for something, I mean, yeah, things change over time, but I mean, there, there are plenty of keywords that I've ranked for for, I mean, years and years and years from that same article. And so you make one win and it stays there while you go out and make the second win. And so it, to me, it's, it's just a way to make your business expand. You can actually predict it and grow with it over time because your wins aren't falling off. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it totally does to me. Um, I'm As a hobbyist, and, and I think maybe we'll talk about it now. I was going to talk about it later. But as a hobbyist, I've had to make some decisions about where I'm going to spend my time. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have a full-time job that keeps me very busy during the week. I have three kids. They keep me busy. There's plenty other things going on in my life. The time I have for photography is really, really narrow really small amounts of time. And I have to make sure I am really focused on what am I doing with my photography? Because I want to take it in so many directions. I want to go so many places with it. Um, the only genre I have not liked is newborns. <laughs> I've tried that one. But other than that, <laughs> I love everything I've tried in photography. I just want to spend so much time doing it. And I, for that reason, I've tried Instagram. I've done. I only do Facebook really for our Facebook groups. I don't. I don't use it for anything else. Um, and and I've I've been on them. I've tried them out, 
And it's just not helpful to me at all and takes mm-hmm. so much time. I have personally decided, like, I'm not doing this. I'll put a few things here and there, something that, like, I'm really excited about and an image I want to share. But it's not my intended purpose to be out there and drive Instagram every single day to make sure that I have it as something that's advertising for me. It just hasn't been worth the effort. I, I haven't personally seen anything come of it. And um, and so I think a lot of photographers listening are probably in a similar situation where they're just not sure exactly how to approach this today because social media feels like it's been such a massive influence and something that they really need to be a part of. And, and it feels like the emphasis is so to that side that the, the website isn't as much. But you, you think it's just as relevant today. And if you're going to be successful as a photographer, you need to spend some time on a website. Is that right? Absolutely. So I, I totally get what you're saying of it feels like, man, this isn't doing anything. Why do I even do this? If I can mess up the order of our conversation a little <laughs> sure, bit. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, uh, later, we have a little quick website review. I think it'd be really cool to kind of talk about that right now. Okay. Because it's an example of somebody who's doing what many people are doing. There's nothing, I mean, I don't think this is like poorly done or anything like that. It's just like a perfect example of what most photographers are doing. And if we could take a second and I could walk you through the mistakes that are happening on this website, I think everybody's going to understand why the way most people are making photography websites really is pretty much a waste of time. Sure. Or, or it, it's really no better than a business card. All right. Perfect. Let, let's do it. Then we can talk about how you can do it the right way and <laughs> it could give, yield completely different Perfect. Results. All right. Let me set this up a little bit then where, where this comes from. So um, I've I've had a lot of people... They want to post their site to our Facebook group, which is against our rules because we don't want, we don't want our Facebook group to be this deluge of like personal photos and websites and advertising. This is about people learning. It's not about that. So, um, so we, we've really, we don't let people post their, their website and their, their stuff there. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, but we, we, I see it a ton and a lot of them are like, I just want like feedback though. That it's not that I want to post it for marketing purposes. I'm not trying to get everyone to go look at it. I need help. I need to know what to do with my site because I don't know where to go with it. So the latest one is just, it, it's not that this is a particularly bad example or anything like that. It, it might feel like that to people listening, but it's just the latest one that I saw that's a good example of uh, what I commonly see when people are wanting to do this. I usually go check out the page and then I say to the person, hey, um, let me give you just a little bit of advice from my experience with this. And and we kind of just go like on an individual level and, and deal with it rather than it posting out to the community. But um, I asked for Adam's permission. So Adam Cunningham, he's the one that posted this very recently and he really wanted some help with it. And um, and I asked, is it okay if I if we go through this on the show? And he said it was. So, so thank you, Adam, for providing the example. So Jim, take it from there. What I'll, We'll share the link in the show notes if people want to go take a look. I'll, I'll have the link in the show notes so you can take a look at it and see what we're talking about. But let's let's just go through this and let's let's identify kind of some of the mistakes. So we're going to get into some of the conversion rate problems later. But first, let's talk about SEO. So with the website, I mean, mostly other than just a place to send people to explain about your business, mostly we want this to rank on Google so that we can bring in new customers, right? So let's think of this only from Google's point of view, right? Only from Google. So today, I don't know where Adam Cunningham lives. We'll say it's Memphis, Tennessee. 
Jake. So today, I guarantee today, there are probably dozens of people that are going to search, how much does wedding photography cost in Memphis, Tennessee? Now, Google's job is to find a really great answer and serve that up to the searcher. So Adam has a page that would be great as a result for that. He has his pricing page, right? Right. Great. And and I don't even know that he does wedding photography. That's irrelevant. Either way, he's got his pricing page, right? So he has titled his um his page for um for pricing. It's called investment. So, uh, and this is very common. Uh, I mean, most photographers, they don't want to say price. They want to say you're investing in <laughs> right. it. Right? It's the attitude. Right, right, yeah. Right. I, I get a lot of people, photographers do this. So think about Google now. If, if somebody search, how much does wedding photography cost in Memphis, Tennessee? And you look at the search results and there's a page just called investment. What the heck? Is this even about wedding photography is it about memphis tennessee uh is this about investing is this a financial advisor that page title totally fails on search engine optimization what you title a page makes a big 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 difference in being able to show up on google search and so that's the first thing that i'd love to see photographers change on their website is you can't just title a page investment or portfolio, or gallery, or whatever else, or uh, prints, right? You can't title a page that. So when you're in your editor, whether you're using Wix or Squarespace or whoever, it doesn't really matter. Um, There's going to be the page title. Now, it's okay if on your menu bar you want to call that investment, but there's also a page title, and that you've got to fill out with something that, that has the name of the city and explaining what you have. So I would call this how uh you know memphis tennessee wedding photography costs right Mm -hmm. because then somebody who's looking for that information generally great they can go to your site and see an example and then hopefully you're going to be able to hook them for more right right and so that that one mistake that's being made on this site will make it i mean nearly impossible for this site to rank on google okay so So that's a first so i want to emphasize the distinction between these two things you can still have your site become more user-friendly by having the label in the menu say whatever it is uh, investment but probably change that to pricing something like that sure as long as when you click on that label it goes to a page that in the title says what you just talked about, the full broader thing, because that's what Google sees is that title. And that's how you're going to get eyeballs from people searching on Google over to your site so that you get a chance to be able to sell them on your services. Is that right? Yes, exactly right. So that's a huge one is just making sure you're doing that right. Um, Now, We mentioned before uh, the different sites, you know, for creating your portfolio, you know, your Wix, your Squarespace, your whatever. They're they're all pretty good, honestly. I've looked pretty in detail uh, for all of them in terms of the the technical SEO. Uh, We're spoiled today. Uh, (laughs) All of these companies are doing a good job. Um, You know, uh, they're really, they have the things you need to be able to succeed. It's really on you to be able to create that site, right? So let's talk about, that now. So now he has a blog section on his 
photography portfolio. Mm-hmm. A plus. I think every photography site should have a blog section. This is where you can create an article that will answer people's questions who could be interested in your services. And those articles can rank in Google for the questions they're going to type. Where are the best places to get married in Memphis, Tennessee? And you say, and you write an article that says, hey, I'm a wedding photographer, so I've been to virtually every wedding venue in Memphis. Here are the best ones with, with pictures of them. Then when somebody searches wedding venue uh, Memphis, Tennessee, they get served your page. And then later they say, oh, I'm a wedding photographer. Cool, let's see your portfolio. And they're hooked, right? right. So a blog... A plus got to have it on your, on your site. So let's look at how he's using the blog. And I promise 1000% that not one of these articles will ever, ever, ever rank in Google. I'm sorry to say that. I know that might be hurtful, (laughs) but I only say it because I want to, I want it to to help this person. And because I don't think he's done a bad job. This is just what every photographer does. Exactly. Um, So Let's look at the titles of these blog posts that he's written. The first one is titled, COVID Didn't Stand a Chance. So let's think now about the potential customers out there and what they're searching. Are they searching for information about COVID when they're looking for a wedding photographer? Not at all. And so this, we have to start every blog post with what is my potential customer typing into Google searching right now? And then you go write a great article to answer their question. And so what's happened here is he sees a blog section. He's not really sure what to do with it. And so it's used kind of the same way we would use Facebook. It's like whatever's happening in my business. So we see posts like happy birthday uh, or I have a 50% off sale and things like that. Uh, He took a great picture of flowers and the post is called stop and smell the flowers. But nobody is searching did Adam come Cunningham <laughs> stop and smell the flowers today? So you get it. I, I, again, I want to make sure I'm definitely not making fun. He's doing it exactly like most photographers do. The only reason I'm explaining it this way is just so that it's clear to everybody like, oh, yeah, we're just we're not thinking of our websites in terms of giving Google what it needs to serve to an end user. Okay, let me ask a question here. So the blog functionality, I think it goes one of two ways. Either like Adam's done here, I, I agree. This is a huge portion. Like they just don't know what to put here. And so they're like, oh, I think I need to have something here. Um, something that people might go click on and read through. And and they're just throwing stuff there because they don't know what else to do with it. Or they just like turn it off. Like, I don't care about the blog. <laughs> I'm going to turn that off functionality mm-hmm. off. It doesn't seem applicable to what I'm going to do here. Why? Well, so first off, is that a problem? Should Should photographers disable the blog functionality? Is that going to be an issue? Thou shalt not turn off thy blog. (laughs) (laughs) You got to have the blog. And here's why. Otherwise, what do you have? Otherwise, what you really have is site title and a bunch of images. Right. The Google is not going to use to bring people to your site. When people are searching for a photographer and they go to Google to do that, why would they? Why would Google point them to your site when they don't have any idea what your site's about if you don't have a blog? Exactly. And you think of that situation we talked about earlier, wedding photography costs in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, you know, your pricing page, it's an okay result. At least you're a photographer that dares put pricing out there and you are in Memphis, Tennessee. 
But what would be a lot better is if you wrote a blog post and you said, hey, I called up 10 of my wedding photography buddies in Memphis, Tennessee, and here are all the prices they gave. Um, and this is about what you're going to end up costing. By the way, I'm a photographer and you can check out my portfolio, right? <laughs> right? Now, suddenly that's a great result. And so the page on your site where you're just saying, here's my pricing, isn't as good as like a blog where you're like, focused on what's the end user's question and how could I make an amazing resource to answer their question? What about the blog posts? I, I, I guess there's a third way I've seen photographers use this. And that is they, they make a blog post for like every client shoot. After they do the shoot, they'll take their favorite five or six photos or something out of the shoot, put it in the blog post and talk about the day, the experience and how they went through it. I shot Michaela and John's wedding. They were so right, cute. Right. That one, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just is that what somebody's searching? Is somebody searching like, dude, let's see some picture of Michaela and John's <laughs> wedding in Memphis. That's just not what they're searching. Every blog post has to start with what people are typing into Google and then do it. Otherwise, this really belongs on social media. Just post a picture and say it was a great shoot. Right. Now, okay, so that's that's the other thing reason I think photographers are saying, well, but today in 2021, when someone needs a wedding photographer, do they actually go to Google or do they start in Instagram or in Facebook or something like that and say, I need a photographer. Does anyone know a good one? It, how's that? Do you have a sense for that? I think there are a lot of different starting points. Some people will go straight to Instagram and ask a friend. Other people are going to start Googling how much do wedding photographers cost. Other people are going to type into Facebook and ask for personal recommendations. And so I, I don't think there's only one start point. And so if this is a one that I, I feel like the SEO game, at least to me, is probably the least competitive in a lot of markets. Now, if you're in LA, ooh, it's probably the opposite. It's probably easier to try to find personal recommendations. But if, if you're in a medium-sized or certainly a small-sized city, I think the SEO game is probably the easiest. Right. And, and your time spent there creating these blog posts that have good titles and information that people searching for your services are going to find helpful that is worth the investment in that time. That's going to stand for some time too. It's not going to go away in a week, in a month. It's still going to be there. It's still going to be able to, to Google's still going to say, answer your blog post with that question as long as you formulated it right. So you have a like the return on your time investment, it feels to me like is so much better here than it would be in Instagram posts. Yes. Now, I do think there is a possible exception for how a blog post could be used for an individual shoot. An example that I might give is, let's say you're a landscape photographer wanting to sell prints. So let's say you went to Northern Ireland and you photographed the dark hedges, something that puts a deep fear into my heart because I almost burned it down. But that's a story for another day. Right. Um, so... Let's say I went and photographed a famous location. It's a, f a place where tourists would go, and you could definitely see somebody who went on vacation there, loved the dark hedges, has come home and said, oh, I would love to have a great landscape photo of that above my fireplace, mm -hmm, right? Right. And so suddenly that person is typing into Google, you know, buy landscape photography print of the dark hedges in Northern Ireland, right? That's what they're going to type. So suddenly you might actually have a really good result by using your blog, a blog post 
that kind of starts out with, ta-da, here's my my image. You can buy it here. Um, And then here's the story of me photographing the dark hedges and what it was like and stuff. Because Google needs text on a page to be able to serve up a a great result. They're very rarely in just regular Google search going to send you to a page with just a picture and really nothing else on it. Uh, The organic Google results, they want to send you to a blog post, right? Right, and so um, that that blog post could be used in a very effective way. But again, we aren't going to title that blog post um, "Beautiful Trees" or "This Shoot Was Awesome." No, we're going to type it, um, you know, "Landscape Photography Print for Sale of Northern Ireland." Right, and then we're going to have that content in there. We're thinking end user. What are they typing in? And then we're making a great resource for them. How often do you think you need to have these blog posts? How often? Yeah. I mean, the more you create, the better. Uh, It does not matter how frequently you publish. Uh, That's unlike social media where your audience can kind of grow cold. We've done so many case studies over the years where, you know, we'd put 30, 100, 150 articles on a website, just dump them over all at once. And then we also tried it where we'd trickle those posts out, you know, every couple days or once a week over a course of a year. It just doesn't matter. Uh, Content is content. Um, The age of the post matters for sure. I'm just saying it doesn't matter if you, you don't, you don't have to post every week on your blog, but every time you post, it's a new line in the water. Gotcha. That's good. Okay. Let's go. So the blog is essential. (laughs) That's that's their primary means for doing good marketing of your site that Google is going to notice and bring traffic to your site. What about what other kinds of mistakes do we see uh, on this website? Or what? Actually, maybe not mistakes. What other things could they could be changed to improve the the quality of the traffic that's coming to the to uh, Adam's site? Okay, the conversion rate is a big issue, I think, right here. Um, We go to the website and we see a sign-up form and then, bong, I hear a sound and it's asking for a chat box. It's kind of like when you watch a YouTube video, you go to a new channel and right at the start of the video, they're telling you to like and subscribe. And it's like, dude, I haven't even seen your video yet. <laughs> right? Like, I don't even know who you are. Um, and so I, I think it's the same things happening here. I mean, great. Let's have a sign up form, get them on your email list, but let's get them on the hook first. Let's give some value first. Let's let them see your photos first. And so I would I'd definitely make that change to put, let's put a photo First thing on that website. Another really big thing for SEO, like hugely giant, can't overstate this one, is NAP, take a nap. Uh, That is your name, address, and phone number needs to be on every single page of your website. This is for Google local search. So years ago, Google had a huge problem where they would get big, uh, well, we'll we'll take example in the photography space, they would get the big photo chains, you know, with the Sears Photo Center, and they'd say, shoot, we have photo centers in nearly every, every city in the United States, and we want, when somebody searches, you know, uh, kids' portraits in St. George, Utah, we want them to come to ours. And so JCPenney would say, aha, we'll just create a, a website for everywhere in the United States. And then we rank all over the place. And so Google was like, ah, we don't like this. We want to show 
companies that are actually local in each area. And so what they've implemented is with local companies, you have to prove to Google that you are actually a real local company. And, and so having on every single page, it's fine if it's in the footer of your website, but have your business name, the address, including city, state, and zip code, so that it can see, yes, this is a real business here, and your phone number, including that zip code or the area code there, so that they can tell this whole website is all about this local area. Now, that changes, of course, if we're trying to take our business nationally, which we need to talk about, um, but NAP is super critical critical for your photography portfolio sites if you're trying to get a local audience. Okay, what about privacy concerns there then? Like, I'm not sure if if photographers run their business out of their home, that's the address of their business. They don't necessarily want to have their home address on every single page. What, What about that? Yeah, I, I mean, a P.O. box could yeah. could at least help. Maybe if you work at a small business and they don't care, you could just give that. Uh, we just need some kind of local address that's going to make a big deal, big difference. When I lived in Florida and I was doing a lot of you know wedding photography and that kind of stuff, I would put just my home address on there. I never had anybody show up. Uh-huh. I mean, it, if you're concerned about privacy, that's perfectly legitimate, but I never had anybody just like show up to my house. Uh, but I certainly did get calls from having that on there. And it doesn't have to be super noticeable. It could be tiny, tiny. That doesn't matter. Like Google doesn't care about the size of the, te- the text there in the footer. So just as long as it's there. Is that right? Yeah, just have it. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. Uh, so, and, and going back to just a second, you, you made the observation about on his homepage, he's got the contact form, right? Right immediately. So mm-hmm. if we follow like the path here that someone might find his site, if he had really good blog posts that had titles that are attractive to Google so that it knew to send people who are looking for his services there. And then people are like, actually, I, I really, this is cool. This is good information. And their next option is maybe he's probably either going to be home or portfolio, one of the two. If they click on home and they get the contact info, that's that's not really showing more of of the work there. Is, is that what we're, what you're talking about is maybe, maybe that's like, you got to take that as your opportunity. That might be the next click they make if they're going to stay on your site. That might be the next click they make and you got to, you got to sell them on your service. Yeah, absolutely. I think just a photography portfolio, you've got to have your photos big on the homepage. Now, the homepage is interesting. A lot of people worry about the SEO of their homepage. As far as SEO is concerned and ranking on Google, Google is very rarely going to show a homepage of really any website in a search result unless somebody is doing a branded search. You know, if somebody searches my brand right now where I'm teaching search engine optimization and stuff is is income school. But if you just search SEO on Google, Google's not going to send you to my homepage. They're going to find an article that I've written about SEO. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So the SEO of your homepage kind of matters a lot less than a lot of than people might think. But it's more of the funnel that you're creating for um, for getting somebody to convert. And so when somebody comes there because they've heard of your business, whatever, they saw you on social and they Googled you, we've got to show them your work and then a contact page. Right. Okay, perfect. Anything else we should review of, of Adam's site? No, I think I think this can be a, a, a great page. Um, but I, I think making those couple really just the mindset of what Google is looking for. And I think he's going to rock it. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So let's, let's talk then 
you uh, you wanted to say about the broader perspective. We talked more focused on maybe local area, finding like your services available in a local area. That doesn't apply to everyone. There's landscape photographers where that's not what they're selling. They're not selling a service. They're selling an image. And uh, and we you really need to, especially today, you've got to get those images seen by the world somehow, expanding the scope uh, outside of your local area. Um, so so how can they do that? And, and what other ideas do you have for trying to make it so that you can expand the scope out of the local area? Well, what I've seen with photographers are a lot are like you, Jeff, that um, you love photography yeah. and you do want to earn some money from it. But you have a career and you're doing other stuff. You're not really even trying to be full time right, with it. Right. And I think that's true of many, many photographers. And so I think the reason that so many photographers become local photographers of doing senior portraits and stuff, and not that there's anything wrong with that. I think that's great is that, um, we say, well, this is just a side gig for me. I don't need to go national or go worldwide (laughs) and international photography business. And I just want to kind of challenge maybe people's thought process on that because that's what I've done uh, in my businesses. I am a very small dude. I'm just, you know, blogging uh, to the world. Um, But by having a business worldwide, it kind of turns can turn anything into this quote unquote passive income. And we can talk about that term, right? Because it's still a business and you're going to spend your time on it. But I, anyway, so I want to give some ideas of what you could do. So for example, instead of a local photography business, what if you started writing blog posts about doing product photography and then you started a service where you had a page where people could mail you their product that they're selling on Amazon, whatever their selfie stick that they're going to sell on Amazon and you take the product photos of it for them on a nice white background and and email them the photos. That's a great business to do as a side gig. Let's say you are really good in Photoshop. Well, could you make a website about how about uh, YouTube thumbnails and design ideas and how to get YouTube thumbnails clickable? And then you also sell a service that for eighty five bucks they send you the photo and you Photoshop it for them uh-huh. and get you know really nice looking text on it and stuff for them. That could be a great side gig of some that somebody could do uh, who has photography skills. Let's say you want to start a blog just with photography tips. You want to. Uh, give examples of what non-photographers can do to take better pictures. You know, somebody's Googling how to take better pictures of my car for my Craigslist post, right? People will Google that all day. I mean, every day people are Googling that. So you could write blog posts about that, just photography tips and stuff. And then you could have ads on your website um, to make money from it. Let's say you do landscape photos, you're a travel photographer, then again, write about the locations that you're selling and sell photos of hot vacation areas of really nice landscape photos. Uh, Let's say you start a YouTube channel where you could teach photography, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Or let's say you um, have learned video editing because, you know, they're they're similar skills. If you know know Photoshop, it's it's not a bridge very far to learn video editing. Well, what if you became a freelance video editor for YouTubers, YouTubers that are making videos but don't want to learn how to edit or don't have the time? They just email you the video files and you do the editing for them. 
That could be a great person, a great way for someone with photography skills to start a freelance business that again reaches the whole world or retouching and restoring family history photos or let's say you want to do destination weddings well starting to blog about destination places to do wedding photography would be a great start etc 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 so these are just all ways that instead of starting a local photography business you could take the skills that you already have but make them available to people all over the world and then do your your uh, business through the internet. Right. Good idea. I think, I think it's just a neat, I I think way too many photographers are only thinking the traditional photography pass and man, it's a big world out there. And then when it's happening over the internet, you can do it on your own schedule. Right. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize if you're a wedding photographer, there goes every weekend (laughs) for the rest of your life. And so you work all week and then you're gone on the weekend, how are you going to be a parent? You know, I, it's pretty tough. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Okay. So there's, those are some good ideas about some possible expansion of the services you might be offering or ways to get there. Let's, let's get down to, I, we had a lot of people that wanted to ask about some particulars about building their website. Um, and again, I don't want to go through the vendors that provide these services. You have kind of some some services that are built for photography in specific, like Zenfolio or Pixie Set or PhotoBiz, Shoot there's a bunch of them. Or you have some other services that are kind of more uh, ground level. You have to do a little bit more work to make it kind of look more like a photography site because they're, they're capable of doing like any kind of website. That's something like Squarespace or Wix or WordPress, Drupal. There's, there's lots of stuff out there. And I don't want to go through each one of those and, and how you d- decide on. More what I want to talk about is what kind of features or functions and th- that we had a lot of questions come from the the listeners in this topic too about how it is that we we should what we should have on the website we've already talked a little bit about this then with the blog that's that's the primary thing is you need to do some blogging that's how google's going to send find you and send people to your way uh is is th- via the blog um so so let's let's talk then about uh let's start with free web hosting versus paid web hosting. Um I mean I have my own personal opinion on this that when I'm looking for something and I come to a website that's like a free website, I immediately think like, yeah, they've lost credibility in my mind. And that's how my own perception is. Is that is that true? Do you think that's widely held? I think it is. I think it's a user experience question that I think just about everybody will say, what is this? (laughs) You know, this doesn't feel like a high-end wedding photographer when it's, you know, beautyphotos.wordpress.com. It just, ah, it's going to be a little bit tricky. And now I love WordPress, uh, but but the idea of a free site, people know, and I think it does matter. Now, as far as Google is concerned, I don't think this matters hardly at all. There are a couple little technical SEO things, but you can rank just fine with something like that. But the other problem is, what happens when you do want to go pro and you do want to kind of take control of your site? Now, whoops, now we have to forward the whole website over to now your professional domain. And when you move the domain name, so you were whatever beautyphotos.wordpress.com. And now you say, you know what, I'm just going to go out, go by beautyphotos.com. When you do that redirect, oh boy, we've seen some gut-wrenching case studies of where people lost massive amounts of traffic. Others where it didn't matter at all, but sometimes it can really hurt your site. Okay. Another question that came up then was, 
it seems like some of these services excel at one aspect of their photography workflow and are horrible at others. And so, so taking a best of breed approach saying, well, I really like the homepage and blogging features and how my pictures look in this service, but they don't sell my photos. Like I, I can't do the payment processing very well. It doesn't connect to a lab. It, it, it missing that. So I want to use this service for that. What's your recommendation there? Should photographers look to mix and match services? Yeah, I think it's generally okay. There are some SEO questions that we'd have. For example, if you have your store is on, um, let's say, Shopify, where you're selling your landscape photo prints, but the rest of your site is on a different .com, Google is going to look at that as really two different results, the the shop and the, the rest of the site, even if they, you know, kind of port it over and stuff. So, so there, there are some issues with, with SEO there, but, but generally I, I don't think it's something to worry about. I think that's okay. I would think more about the user experience there. And if it's going to feel janky, kind of passing between providers. Um, yeah, just if you can make it seamless and it's kind of working for you, I wouldn't worry about it too much. Sure. Okay, good. Um, okay, domain names. <laughs> so uh, .com is really full these days and, yeah. and trying to find your domain name. So, and it seems like the default that everyone goes to, it's not creative, but it's your, your first last name photography.com is what everyone yep. wants, right? Is there any downside to using that domain if it's available for stuff? I don't think so. I think that's fine. I, I uh, uh, some things I would think about are, well, one is what's the future, you know, this is great when you'd be happy to shoot a wedding a week. This is wonderful. I want to be jimharmerphotography.com. But then what happens when your SEO is really working and you could book actually two a weekend, right? And now you say, aha, I'm going to hire a, a photographer to work with me. <laughs> but uh-oh, now you're jimharmerphotography.com and you're trying to give me, you know, whoever as my wedding photographer. No, I want the big guy. Right? <laughs> right, right. Um, and so just creating your brand that way can create some problems down the line. But as far as an SEO perspective, don't feel like you have to cram keywords, you know, uh, Mem memphiswedingphotographer.com. Um, there, there's some evidence to support that that can help in SEO, but it's more just that it gives the user as they're looking at a list of search results, it, it gives them confidence that this result is applicable to them by having those keywords. As far as Google is concerned, I think it's going to matter a lot less. Okay. And what about some of the, there's some new, uh, top level domains, what's called it's that, that after the dot on the end of it, that's a top level domain. And we have some new ones that are available in the last couple of years. There's like dot photography, dot photos, dot photo, dot pics, pictures. There's a whole bunch. What does, is that a downside, a positive way? Does it matter? Younger people, I shouldn't say younger because a lot of people, a lot of older people are, are very um, knowledgeable. But uh, in my experience, most most younger people, I guess I'll say it this way, kind of get it now that there are a lot of TLDs. Mm -hmm. Many other people that aren't as familiar with uh, with technology and how things are changing just won't get it. And I hear from so often from people who have selected something else, you know, they'll be... Uh, whatever, photography dot 
io or whatever um that they'll every time they tell somebody their website they'll say so is it photography.io.com? <laughs> They're just confused. <laughs> People just don't get it. And so from a branding perspective, man, I, I really still push toward .com. From a Google perspective, you're fine. It's not going to hurt you. So it, and <laughs> my own personal experience with this, not with my own domains, because I've done .coms, but <laughs> but I have I, I work my day job as information security. I, I help make sure people don't get attacked from hackers online. And <laughs> so my family will send me stuff all the time like, hey, is this legit? Is this a problem? I just saw this in my email. And they send it to me constantly. And almost always the reason they're asking me about something is because it doesn't have .com in the URL. And so they're always nervous. Mm-hmm. As soon as they see that, they're like, I don't know. This doesn't look real. <laughs> is this okay? Uh, even though it could be totally legit, no problem. Um, when it's not .com, it just throws people into question right from the beginning. And that, that can be a little shaky. So I know it's hard to find a domain name in .com today, but uh, you probably need to see if you can. See if you can do that. I think it's still best. Yeah. Okay, um, let's talk then. We've, we've talked a little bit about some of these things about how to get your website noticed, the blog being kind of the very biggest thing. But we had some specific listener questions that I want to try to run through, and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap this up. Um, the first one, what should be on the homepage? We went through this a little bit. We talked about photos, um, something, a, a marketing, branding kind of entrance. Um, I don't, maybe we don't need to talk anymore about that. Anything you to add there, Jim, on homepage? It might be nice to at least have some text on that homepage to just tell Google what this site is. You know, just a quick about, even if it's just kind of an abbreviated section that just says, I'm a wedding photographer and wherever, right? Some kind of statement there in text can be helpful. What about like a picture of yourself on that homepage? I, I think that could be great. Certainly, we definitely need an about page. That's big right now on Google's. They really like that about content. Okay. But um, yeah, having that on there could definitely help. If if not for for uh, Google, then certainly for user experience to just know who you are. All right, pricing. We talked about this a little bit. We were looking at Adam's site, but pricing, be it upfront or by request, which way is the best? Well, you know, Erica could tell you a lot more about, um, about, you know, making those high end sales. She's so, so knowledgeable about that kind of stuff. And so I totally get that it's not all one way or the other. What I can say is from an SEO perspective, 1000% you want pricing on there. Uh, I mean, people will browse photographer, look for pricing page. It says it depends and they're gonzo. Um, where if you have the pricing or at least, something, you know, just say like, Hey, I can do a basic package for this, but, um, I can do so much more for you. Uh, if you're willing to invest more something like that, like just do something to give some kind of barometer. You will see your conversion rate skyrocket of the number of people that come to your homepage versus the number that actually contact you will skyrocket. If you just give them some kind of idea of what it costs. Okay. What about, so a a lot of there's a lot of people who the default text presentation capabilities of a service don't give them enough ways to make it look nice. And once the user's there, they want the user to, to, you know, the person looking for photography services to be impressed by the quality of the presentation on the site. And the text looks so bad, they just change everything to images so that they can better Mm. control the presentation. What does that do to this? 
destroys it. <laughs> destroys right. it because Google Google can do. Actually, this is kind of a neat thing. Uh, it's called Google Vision. It's an open API. Uh, you can go to Google Vision um, API just on Google, and you can drag and drop an image in there that you have on your computer, and it's it's going to show you what Google can see out of that image. And it's really, really neat um, what Google can tell out of your image through their AI. Wow, is it powerful. And so having text in an image, now we're in a world where Google can read that text. But uh, Google wants to be able to show some of that text right on the SERP through featured snippets, or sorry, for the, the search ranking page, This what the page people are going to see after they type something into Google. And so that, that's just a death knell for SEO. You do not want text in a JPEG. You want to show that text um, as text. Right. Okay. Uh, and the next question was, should a site be dedicated to a specific genre of photography? So if, if they're like me and I love dabbling in all kinds of them, is it a detriment to have your portfolio link on your one website have all of those different genres that you've done things in? Or should you narrow it down and have it be like, nope, I'm going to make one site that's for my wedding stuff, another site for my seniors, and a third site for my landscapes, something like that? Well, as a branding question, I think it can make sense to niche down so that you can show a customer, boy, I, I fit exactly what you're looking for, right? From an SEO perspective, it's actually fine to go pretty broad. I mean, I have, I've made websites. We had one called Outdoor Troop where we wrote about everything. I mean, it was hiking. It was, uh, paramotor it was cycling it was everything and they're all kind of outdoor and that site got massive massive traffic so you can go very broad from an seo standpoint all right okay uh how many portfolio photos should be shown do we want hundreds of these do we want under 10 does does it matter how many images are in the portfolio sections I think the vast majority of photographers are going to overshare here. <laughs> right. They're going to they're going to put work up and it's like, "Okay, if if we were to pin this down to just your top 25 images, the photos would look way better." Because very few photographers have been out this long enough that their portfolio is just so good that they could put a hundred just absolute winner images in there. You know, when you're Nick Page and you just have <laughs> just scores of just incredible landscapes, then, hey, you can have a hundred photos on there. <laughs> For most of us mere mortals, we don't have that many that are like truly amazing photos. And so I, I just keep your best stuff on there. Now, from the SEO perspective, maybe we can write some of those blog posts, you know, for a landscape photographer talking about some of these specific locations um, and that it could have value to having them there. But in terms of just your gallery, your portfolio, boy, just have the very best and then cut and cut again until it's just the cream of the crop. Excellent. And with those images, what pixel dimensions do you think they should be uh, to make them big enough that they are they look good, but not so big that it slows down your website. Yeah, so this depends a lot on how the the tech for your website sets this up. Right. If you're using kind of an automated service like the many that you mentioned in Folio, etc., um, they're going to be smart about this, and you'll be able to upload a full size image, and they're going to resize it to the correct correct ones. Now, if you're doing something that's a little bit more DIY, like on WordPress, uh, then 
getting these dimensions is super critical because if you upload a full-size image from your a7r3 oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> that page is never gonna load that image is just too big and so if you have the functionality that they're going to be able to click it to go full size i'd probably upload 1920 by 1080s um, just so that it can you know reasonably fill a lot of screens or a good portion of those screens okay but make sure that the the thumb version the version they see when it's small needs to be much much smaller and that just kind of depends on your page design but i i i would like to see a thumbnail under you know 80 kilobytes right. and so we really need to make sure to size that down okay and speaking of speed uh does the speed of your site matter for this very much so especially for a photography site you know google said for years that uh page speed matters now I don't think it matters very much if we're talking about a 0.8 second uh, first content full paint, you know, uh, page load time, we'll just call it. <laughs> if we go from 0.8 seconds to uh, 0.6, nobody cares. Right. If we're talking about going from one to four, we care a lot. And so it is important that you, that you get it set. Um, what I would do is make your website, you know, if you're a little bit more advanced and you can clear your cache and stuff, then and run it in a new browser where you're not signed in and go to the website and just do kind of a manual count. Just look at this thing. How long does it take uh, for the page to open? But much more valuable is how's it going to do on a slow cell phone connection, right? Uh, what's it going to do on kind of an older computer? And so that's where we really need to start thinking about uh, page speed. You know, a lot of people are making their website but because you're visiting your website over and over, it's cached. There's like some of the files are stored locally on your machine. They're they're kind of memorized by your computer in a way so that it shows really fast. But the very first time a machine goes there, it's super slow. And so a lot of people don't think they have a speed problems on a photography portfolio site, but you definitely do. And speed is a bigger issue with photography portfolios because we're dealing with big images. And the image can be, I mean, 70% or more more of the total time it takes to load a page is all about getting those images on there. It's, I mean, text is the blink of an eye. It, it, I mean, the, the whole text on your page may be 12 kilobytes, but the images could be several megabytes. Right. Okay, we talked about the either-or scenario of doing social media or a website, and we, we said it, if you're going to pick between the two, do your website. Um, what about, though, like augmenting your website with social media stuff is there an advantage to that does is that going to help like is is does that bring more traffic to your site if you do occasionally do an ig post or a facebook post about things is that helpful oh yeah big time so <laughs> i Part of, I mean, I eat, sleep, breathe, everything SEO. It's all about search engine optimization. So what I do is I, I teach people how to create blogs, YouTube channels, etc. that that create money for them as a, as a business. And so every word that Google search liaisons say 
I hear. I mean, every single week I, I listen to the things that they say in their webinars and public speeches, etc. And they really like to minimize. They're like, oh, no, this, no, we don't even <laughs> see those social signals. Um, and then we have done several of our case studies ourselves. So let me tell you one of those case studies, not to get too in the weeds about SEO, but I, I think it's really valuable for photographers to understand. So we created two different websites. These were blogs on different topics. One of them was like gift ideas ideas for kids, etc. Another one was uh, about uh, writing career advice for college students. So we created these websites, we wrote a lot of articles on them. And then we just zipped our lips about it. You know, we just created the content, put it out into the world. And then we waited a year. It takes a long time for things to rank on Google. Uh, you know, generally eight months is kind of the time that after you write a blog post, it's going to really start to show up well in Google. A little bit less for local SEO. Um, but we created this content and it was just dead. These sites just did not rank at all. And we thought, man, we really failed here. And so we did a YouTube video. Um, our Income School YouTube channel has a pretty large audience. And so we did a YouTube video saying, poof, we failed. Look at this case study, right? And then what that did is it took a lot of people from that YouTube video and they all went and looked at this failed case study that we wrote, right? And then the most interesting thing happened. I mean, days, two days after we did that, all of a sudden we started to see that for dozens and dozens of the articles that we wrote, they started showing up in organic Google search results. After a year of like, I mean, virtually no traffic, all of a sudden, I mean, just a switch flipped and suddenly we were ranking for everything. And by organic traffic, I just mean people are typing in questions in Google and we're getting the result, right? Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, Google calls this no link mention. It used to be that, uh, you know, a link from one website to another was like a vote and saying, Google, this is good content, right? And it still is. But now they're saying, boy, but a lot of times, for example, on YouTube or on social, people are talking about a resource without directly linking to that resource. And so it's a mention of it, even though there wasn't a link. And what we're seeing now is those no link mentions, just social media, people talking about your brand absolutely make a difference in terms of SEO. And so the, will will social help you? Yes, it will. Um now, Google doesn't have access to, for example, everything that's happening on, on Facebook. That's Facebook. They don't exactly want to share all their data with, with Google. But Google does have, well, the Android phone. It has the Chrome browser. They absolutely know what pages you're visiting. And so if a big flood of people are going to a website, that's that no link mention. Uh, it it just absolutely does impact SEO. I, I could go in, I could talk about this for an hour <laughs> right. of some of the case studies we've done. I do not care what Google says. I mean, we have seen just like you can't even argue with it case studies about how effective this has been. Okay, uh, next question is what should photographers avoid spending time on? We, we, I referred to this a little bit before. Like I've made, a, I had to make a personal decision about where my time is being spent because I was spending too much time on stuff that was not making a difference and didn't like, I, I didn't actually enjoy it either. It was it, all this time spent on social media was, was not, uh, returning anything for me. So I've decided to spend less time there. Are there things that you think is common for photographers that where they, they may be investing a bunch of time that usually doesn't pay off? 
Yeah, people work on their site in quotation marks when they really mean dilly dallying with page design stuff, uh-huh. right? Uh, if if the ninety percent action, the action that's going to give you ninety percent of your results with SEO is make a new blog post that answers a specific question that people are typing into Google today. If every morning you started uh, your day by just writing a blog post answering a question that somebody is typing into Google today on something related to it, and you did that process for a year, you could have a significant business. You could have significant traffic. And that's what I've spent my career doing (laughs) is I just write a lot of blog posts answering people's questions. And boy, does it bring a lot of people in. And once people are coming, you can make money. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the blog, we keep kidding that, but it's that important, right? To this, to having a, a, a result that you're looking for where people are being sent to your website, looking for the photography that you have, that's just, it's the way to make Google send them to you. Yeah. Okay. Last question. And then we'll talk about your, uh, some opportunities that people may have to, to work with you more. So the, the last one is website metrics. You can get metrics for people visiting your site and, you know, what pages do they go to and what led them to your site on the search engine stuff. It, it takes a little bit of work to make sure that that gets connected up, but you can do it on pretty much every platform. There's going to be directions on how to set up Google Analytics is probably the most popular of them to, so that you can, you can get some information. And then people tend to just like go crazy on this information and try to figure out like, first off, it's, it's, it's more technical than probably the majority of the photographers are going to understand out of the gate. It's it's difficult to look at this stuff and be like, what are these numbers everywhere? What does this mean? And then they think they narrow in on one that matters and it may not. So I, I wanted to ask you for a photographer in particular, if they've hooked up Google Analytics to their photography website, what kind of metrics should they be looking at and, and caring about? Well, the scoreboard in my eyes is page views per month. If I only had one metric to just see how a site is doing, that's that's what I really care about. That's the scoreboard for me. But if I were to look at a second, it's going to be the the secondary dimension is where are those page views coming from? And so I would want to go into the traffic sources and see what percentage of the traffic is coming from Google, what percentage is coming from direct, which is, well, it's people either not signed into Google or they're just typing in your brand name. Right. Or, and what is coming from social. And to me, uh, the, the site that I want to see is one that has a lot of search traffic because that's going to be consistent probably over years uh, that you can get that. Uh, so that's definitely one that I would want to see. Now, in terms of what I can be doing today to hopefully lead to those results in the future, how many blog posts did you produce this month? Because that's probably your best barometer for what things are going to look like in your business six months, a year from now. Right, right. Perfect. Okay, I love it. And I, I'm betting <laughs> when listeners, when they listen to this episode, they're going to be like, oh, this is good. This is good. I need more. <laughs> I need more help with this. I mean, I kind of understand where we're headed, but I need more specific help. So you have a wonderful internet marketing course and a, a, what do you, it's a subscription. There we go. That's what I was thinking of. You have something called Project 24. It teaches people um, how to build, um, like replace their income with an online, uh, with a website and make money from it. So tell us a little bit more about that and and where can they, they go find that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, if you're just looking for SEO tips, I mean, we have free stuff on the Income School YouTube channel. That's great. Uh, if you're wanting to just have a small photography website and learn some tips for it, cool. Um, but for people who are really interested in starting an, an internet business, even if that is in the in the photography space, um, then that's really what we do. I mean, we have hundreds of students from all around the world who are making websites on everything. They may be reviewing pressure washers or photography tips or just any any kind of content you're creating as a, a YouTube channel or a blog. Uh, we have courses, and uh, that's what I've spent my life doing for the last many years is creating online businesses like this. And, you know, I used to run improved photography doing that. So it's just really neat what, what you can do. Uh, I mean, I think to a lot of people, it feels like, you know, they've, they've heard of internet marketing or passive income kind of stuff. And it just feels like, ah, uh, you got to get struck by lightning or just be lucky to do that. And it's just like any other business in the world. It's just a small business that you're creating content if you create the content in a way that uh, gets it to rank on Google and you have an audience and we start putting ads on the page, affiliate links or selling your own courses, you can really reliably create an awesome income. Uh, I just talked to somebody this morning who's been in my program uh, who's, in fact, he earned 9000 bucks last month um, from his website that he's reviewing uh, tech products for the home. And so, I mean, we just hear those stories every day of people in the program succeeding. And it's just really neat. I'm just really pas- passionate about teaching people how to start their own businesses. And I can tell you, so I am one of Jim's students. I've been in his in his program for a while. And, uh, and it's, it's been great. I, I have a little different purpose than selling my photography services. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to go full time there. I already have more client requests than I can handle in my limited time. So I, I'm not looking to imp- mm-hmm. increase that. Uh, but I do work really hard at my podcasts and I want to get them to grow and develop and, and I'd like to have them, uh, paid for themselves at least. And, and so I, I was interested in how to do that. So through the course, I was able to figure out how to, to put in just a little bit of time on this. Or or actually, I should say how to make the time I spend on my podcasting and the show notes in particular um, more effective so that it actually draws Google's attention and sends people my way. And uh, it's been highly effective. It, it works. It's, it's one of the reasons I decided to spend less time in social media. I hooked up the Google Analytics. I saw where my traffic was coming from. And it was tiny, like less than 1% was coming from the combination of all the social media networks where I was posting stuff about my site. So I knew like, this doesn't matter (laughs) for for what I'm doing. This is not helpful. And I'm spending way too much time with very little uh, result or emphasis on it. So it's really helpful. It's good stuff. If you're interested, I think it, it can help you in anything that you're looking to do with, with a website to be able to figure out how to draw eyeballs and, and get noticed. So you can go check that out. If you decide you want to become a member of Jim's project 24 on income school, you can use the link that I'll have in the show notes. It's my affiliate link and he'll know I sent you his way. So you, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you ended that. All right. Let's share the doodads of the week and we'll wrap up the show. And Jim, you have four of them. So I think I won't have any this week. So, so why, don't, why don't you share your four and then, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. Jeff, it's been so long since I've got to be on the podcast <laughs> with you guys. I just have things I want to share. Um, okay, here they are. First is the DJI Pocket 2. This thing is so cool. It's like the size of a, like a, you know, an electric toothbrush, uh, but it's got a camera on it and it's on a gimbal. So it's like, you know, 
it's counteracting the will, will wobble in your hand. Um, it, yes, it does photos, but also video. It's just such a cool little camera. Now they had the DJI Pocket One, but just the quality wasn't quite there for professional use. Man, the the Pocket Two, it looks good. Uh, the the video coming out of it is really neat. Uh, in terms of like vacation camera, oh man. That is it. It's so neat. Uh, really, really like that one. It costs about 488 bucks to get the bundle with a nice lav mic and stuff like that. The next is uh, my new camera that I've been using for the last little bit is the Sony A7C. Now, this one's not very popular. It's a full-frame camera, but it's a cheap full-frame camera. It's only 1800 bucks. It's almost the exact dimensions of my uh, crop sensor camera, the A6600. Uh, but the quality is really good. I mean, it's similar, very similar to the A7 III. But man, for that price, that's really impressive to get a full-frame camera. Uh, so I, I, I'm actually pretty pretty stoked on that camera. I love that smaller size. I've always been attracted more to the crop sensor, but oh, there's something about that full frame sensor that just looks different, feels different, everything. And so A7C has been a winner for me. Now, pairing with that is my third dude out of the <laughs> week uh, is the Sony 20 millimeter F1.8 uh, G lens. Um, I love this because it brings over the aperture ring that, you know, old lenses had, but the Fuji cameras also have that I loved when I shot the Fuji system. And so to have a physical aperture ring on the lens, oh, it's just beautiful. I love shooting that way. That's a good lens and it's all, it's less than 800 bucks. My fourth dude out of the week <laughs> is a sweet, it is a f- large 24 inch foldable uh, LED light panel. And so it, it's, you know, thin, it's the thickness of a paper of a notebook. Um, but it rolls up and, uh, it's just a really nice size of light. Uh, so if you're traveling around, you want something really light and you're dealing with constant light, you know, that baby photography that I know you just love Jeff, yeah. uh, or product photography, etc., where a constant light would be a good option. Or for me, I use it, you know, doing YouTube videos. It's called the Falcon eyes RX 18 TDX two, and it's 400 bucks. And boy, it feels like a thousand dollar light build quality is really, really good. So those are my four, but uh, that's the gear I've been using lately. Excellent. This stuff would be really good for a YouTube kit, right? Oh, yeah. All of this stuff. And that's what I'm mostly doing. Uh, I haven't been doing still photography. I mean, nearly what I used to do. But uh, if you're doing video, even though all of these have, you know, still applications as well, but all of these are, have just been really neat for a video. Kit. I've seen the Falcon Eyes light recommended by YouTubers like crazy. Everyone seems to be in love with that, that light. It's cool. Yeah, very cool. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Jim, for bailing me out on something I didn't know enough to speak to my, myself on this. Uh, really appreciate you coming and, and helping to answer these questions. And I'd love to, listeners, if, if you've got more questions that you'd like to to have some answers on, certainly go check out IncomeSchool.com and and go see what that they have to offer there. There's a lot of free stuff, like uh, Jim mentioned, that can really get you started and get you going, and and it'll probably convince you that uh, it's worth uh, investing in yourself and and uh, joining the program so that you can you can get some more in depth help there. I want to remind everyone, MasterPhotographyPodcast.com is the home for the show, so you can go check that out, find the show notes and. And uh, all the stuff we walked through, it's it's hard to remember all of these things, questions and answers. So I, I 
I hope that you're going to want to come back and take a look at that so you can remember what did they say about this thing or that thing and, and you don't have to just go listen to the whole show. Uh, our Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. We still have it there. I don't know how long I'm going to keep it there. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> I, it's the same. It's the problem, Jim. You you told us about a long time ago, and and I'm still seeing it. Or I'm seeing it worse. Like I can't reach people. It, when we post in the group, there's very few that see it. Uh, it's it may as well not be there for most of the people who have joined the group. So it's it's a real frustration. Ah, so f- so frustrating. Yeah. Facebook is just monopolistic. It's a real problem. Uh, But it's there for now. And we do have some interaction. At least we did get something. We got these questions there. Uh, I I will encourage listeners. There is one thing you can do that might help at least a little bit. I don't know how much. We'll we'll have to see if if a large portion of you do it. You can go and say that you want to be notified with every post to the group. It's a setting in the groups um, that you can go and change that to all. And and it defaults to uh, something else. Uh, I don't remember what it is. Just highlights or something like that. Anyway, if you click it to all, you'll get everyone. And we don't post. It's not like there's hundreds of posts a day to the Facebook group. On a busy day, it might be like five. <laughs> so so you won't see um, a, a post. Uh, sorry. And, and it's only going to notify you on posts. It's not going to notify you on every single comment that, that comes in. So um, I'd encourage you to do that if you are interested. And if we get a lot that do it and I can reach more people, maybe we'll stay there. But otherwise, I, I may move it somewhere else where I can actually talk to people <laughs> and have that work. Um, you can find my work over at my other my other podcast. It's a monthly show, Photo Taco Podcast. I deal with like really technical stuff and try to break it down so that the average photographer can, can understand <laughs> geeky. it. Yes, very geeky. It's fun. I love it. It's my, it's my favorite <laughs> I love thing. I uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I have them there. I post some. I'm most active on Twitter by far. Um, and then Jim, people, where can people find you? What's the best place? Just income school, uh, either website or our YouTube channel. Excellent. Go find them in YouTube. So thank you, Jim. It was uh, really fun. Good to have you on again. Oh, it was great talking with you. I so miss all you guys. Yep. Yep. Same for us. So uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And we'll see you again in another seven days. 